2: Yes, indeed, it is the Bob Brands Authority, and it begins at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday morning, the 21st morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord 2018. And yes, hallelujah! After 635 consecutive days of being non winners, we can declare that the Cleveland Browns are winners. You notice I didn't say 635 days of losers because they did indeed tie the Steelers in week number one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So 635 days since they can last say we are winners. And they were able to say it last night because of the play. Of the outstanding rookie, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, Baker Mayfield. And I need to address this at the top of the show. We're not going to turn this into Sports Center. I'm going to get to Judge Kavanaugh. I'm going to get to uh, Christine Blasey Ford and all the rest. But I have to address the Browns because I have some name-clearing to do. My own, after my character was assassinated yet again by an unverified, unsubstantiated, unprovable allegation by, boy it sounds like the Christine Blasey Ford story, doesn't it, by Hugh Hewitt, who went on national radio today to spew fiction. The Browns open a new era of domination. I just, I just
3: have to say, Bob Franz, if you're listening, my colleague who does the, uh, the nine to noon slot in Cleveland on WHK. You really have to finally admit Baker Mayfield was the man. He walked onto the field last night. Poor Sam Darnold. I told you, USC quarterbacks are USC quarterbacks. Uh, Slow, loopy, no charisma. I mean, basically couldn't
2: move the team, even when the Browns were listless in the first half behind Tyrod Taylor. But I digress. Yes, you do. You digress, and you also um, tell tall tales. Uh, Hugh Hewitt has ever since April since the NFL draft, has been on social media savaging me after the Browns took Baker Mayfield number one and suggesting that I, I am not he, had been the Sam Darnold supporter who didn't want Baker Mayfield. He went on national radio today to declare that I am a Steelers fan. And and I'm trying to cover up that by, uh, by, by uh, uh, addressing this Baker Mayfield controversy in such a way. So I told uh, Hugh Hewitt, that I have tapes, and while I don't actually have tapes, what I do have is the very next best thing. I have an eyewitness to the conversation that Hugh and I had back in April at a Salem Town Hall event out at, uh, where were we? Peter Carson, now where were we? We were at um, Landerhaven. We're
4: Landerhaven. At Landerhaven.
2: Thank you, Peter. Thank you. We were at Landerhaven for an event right before the NFL draft, and Hugh was querying all of us about which quarterback the Browns should take. And I'm going to let you, Peter Kirsten, out, uh, U.S., uh, uh, U.S. Commission, Civil Rights Commissioner a Cleveland attorney, a man who is not necessarily under oath right now, but since this is live radio and there are thousands and thousands of people, you can consider yourself under oath, Peter Kersenow. There will be perjury charges brought forth if you do not tell the truth. I'm going to ask you now to clarify for the record the truth about who liked which quarterbacks prior to the draft. Please set the record straight that has been made so crooked by Hugh Hewitt.
4: I have my hand not on a Bible but on a copy of the Constitution right now, and I can <laughs> tell work. you that at that Lander Haven event, both Hugh and I were flanking you while we were getting our photos taken with one of the attendees, and Hugh was savaging you for being a Baker Mayfield guy who thought that the Browns were going to take Baker Mayfield number one, and I will confess— I thought the Browns were going to take Sam Darnold, and I, and I queried you about how could you consider Baker Mayfield. He probably is something like akin, a little bit better, but akin to Johnny Manziel. But Hugh was giving you all kinds of grief, and he said they have to take Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's the superior quarterback. I admit I wanted Sam Darnold, too, at the time. But my goodness, you've got to get the record straight. Hugh was the Sam Darnold guy. He gave you all kinds of, and continued to do so throughout the night. That's not that he began before the event even got underway, and then he continued throughout the night, savaging you for being a Baker Mayfield guy, insisting the Browns take Baker Mayfield number one.
2: Pete, I I am so appreciative of your uh, bringing uh, truth to light here uh, because you're right. Not only did he do this at multiple points during the uh, VIP photo sessions, all VIP ticket holders at these wonderful Salem events that we have can take pictures with uh, the panel. And each person who came up, you would quote, who should the Browns take? Who should the Browns take? And each time he did that, uh, the Baker Mayfield part came up and he mocked me. And he even did so, as you pointed out, from the stage in front of the crowd. But Pete... He continues, and this is one of the reasons why I've been yelling at you, I need you on Twitter. I need you to be on Twitter just to defend my reputation if for no other reason because he's got you know hundreds of thousands of followers that he continues to tell these lies to on Twitter and on air, Pete.
4: He's rewriting history. It's unfair. Unfortunately, though, I am never going to go on Twitter. I've never seen anything good come out of Twitter. I've seen careers be dashed because of Twitter. But nonetheless, I'm here to tell you and all of your listeners, and if this gets picked up anywhere else, Hugh Hugh is lying about Bob France. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Hewitt wanted Sam Darnold. Hugh Hewitt was trashing Baker Mayfield. Now Baker Mayfield looks like, I don't know, he looks, I, I, I don't even know who to compare him to, although a lot of people, say that he reminds them of a young Brett Favre. I'm not ready to go that far yet. It's one game, it's one half, but in that one half, he was 17 of 23, 201 yards. It was pretty impressive, and that's not even considering the drops that were right there. The one that that, uh, I was amazed by was I thought Callaway was going to hold on to that one on the sidelines, that over-the-shoulder grab. That would have been a good grab, but then he, he dropped it out of bounds. But, uh, and how about Jarvis
2: Landry, what? who's been Jarvis yeah. Landry, who's been Mr. Automatic Hands, dropped one that literally went through his hands and hit him between the 8 and the 0 on his chest. In truth, Baker Mayfield should have been 20 of 23 right. for around 240, 250 yards as opposed to 17 of 23 for the 201 yards. He was that doggone good. And to see it, Pete, laid out against, juxtaposed against Sam Darnold starting for the opposition Jets. You really got a chance to see why I said Baker Mayfield field and not sam darnold and hugh hewitt uh (laughs) saw things the 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 exact opposite way
4: it was a lot of fun um you know we are long-suffering browns fans and you know we've got a little sliver of hope now many of us have bets and i confess that i'm one of them who've bet a number of people that the browns have no hope of going to the playoffs i made these bets back in june Mm -hmm. and watching the browns over the last three weeks i still think Playoffs are an unrealistic possibility, although now I'm getting a little bit more nervous. But if we had a kicker, no disrespect to, you know, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, <laughs> Zane, Zane Gonzalez. But if we had a kicker, it's, it's conceivable we'd be 3-0 and right now.
2: That's exactly right. Although I would say, and I, you know, because in, 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 I don't want to get too off into the weeds on this stuff, too. People are saying we're 0-1-1 0-1, because of Zane Gonzalez. I would argue. That were 0-1 and 1 because of Hugh Jackson and his strange devotion to Tyrod Taylor. Because quite frankly, Tyrod's play in those first two games, he was 31st out of 32 in the National Football League in completion percentage after two weeks. He was 30th out of 32 in quarterback rating. If even competent quarterback play had happened in those first two games, it doesn't come down to the foot of a Zane Gonzalez. The defense turned Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers over six times in the opener, and they couldn't pull out a victory because they couldn't get a decent big play from their quarterback position i submit to you if baker mayfield was the starter in weeks one and two the browns are three and oh right now hugh hewitt given i mean, I mean hugh hewitt hugh jackson hugh Jackson <laughs> well, they're one in the, the fact, same <laughs> neither one of them trusted the baker mayfield
4: one, yeah given the fact that he only run one game and he knows that his his coaching uh, position is on the line took the safe way out. What he did, and it's conventional wisdom, you don't go with the rookie quarterback. His job was on the line, so what did he do? He went with the veteran. And then only when it became untenable because the veteran gets injured, he puts in Baker Mayfield. And I know that he hedged also at the end of the game where he said, you know, it's too soon to say whether or not Baker Mayfield's going to be the starter for the next game. Because, again, that's conventional wisdom. You don't lose your position just because you got injured. But sometimes you've got to take a leap. And I think that I'm, I'm wary, personally, of watching football for decades and decades and decades of throwing in a rookie. Nonetheless, Baker Mayfield has established pretty clearly he's not your ordinary rookie, and I think he can do, do the job, and it's not 1965 or 1975 anymore where you never put in a rookie quarterback. So what have the Browns got to lose?
2: Well, they ruined they ruined Deshaun Kaiser last year, but Deshaun Kaiser was a second round pick rookie who was not ready for the no. starting job. And Hugh did that this year. I think it's very clear that Baker Mayfield, who is the number one overall pick, is absolutely ready. And it says here that if he even thinks about going back to Tyrod Taylor as the starter, injury or no injury, bottom line is he wouldn't answer this question at the post game press conference when he was asked if he had not gotten hurt, would you have pulled him and started Baker in the second half? He refused to answer it, but the question. Uh, it, it, is very easy to answer. That team looked like it was stuck in the mud with Tyrod Taylor back there, holding the ball for an eternity, not getting it out, taking sacks. Here comes Baker Mayfield. Quick decisions, ball out in a quick, in, in a flash. Uh, you know, great accuracy. If if he even can, can remotely consider going back to Tyrod Taylor right now, Jimmy Haslam needs to immediately pick up his phone and say, I'm doing to you what you should have done to Tyrod. I'm removing you from your position.
4: Given that his job is always on the line, Who do you think Hugh Jackson's going to put into the game next week?
2: He'd be doggone well better. Peter Kirsten, now, thank you for bearing witness. I really appreciate you doing it. Next time you talk to it give it to him. Give it to him a lot. Uh, Give it to him in, in depth for me. Thank you, Pete. God bless. Peter Kersenow, uh, U.S. uh, Civil Rights Commissioner and, uh, of course, our good friend. I want everybody listening right now who listens to the Hugh Hewitt program before this one to call him on Monday morning and defend my honor. Now that you heard the truth by way of uh, a man who put his hand on a Constitution and swore to tell the truth, Peter Kersenow, you tell Hugh Hewitt and his legions of listeners throughout this country the truth about who supported the Baker Baker touchdown maker campaign in the draft and who was in favor of the. Uh, Southern California kid named Sam Darnold. All right, let me get out now, get a quick time out, come back in. I want to talk to David Arredondo next, who is the uh, uh, vice chair of the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County about more press, or excuse me, in Lorraine County, about more pressing matters uh, uh, coming up uh, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 923, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, the answer, celebrating Brown's victories to start the program today, but we do have to get back to the work at hand, and uh, the work right now is saving this country from liberal Democrats who are attempting to destroy it and destroy our president by, in this case, destroying his Supreme Court nominee, uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. My friend David uh, Arredondo is the vice uh, chairman of the Lorraine County Republican Party, who has some serious thoughts about this matter. Good morning, David.
3: Good morning, Bob. I have to tell you that it's a very tough act to follow you and Peter Kirsten out. <laughs> uh, and, and, and with good reason, I mean, to celebrate a Browns win with a guy that you had uh, in mind as the, you know, the favored number one pick as quarterback. So, you know, kudos all the way around for your prescience and your
2: your vision
3: to project this gentleman as a, uh, Hopefully the uh, the great white hope or whatever we want well, to call well, him.
2: Well, David, I appreciate that. My my goal at this point in time, rather than backpatting myself, I just want to try to bring Hugh Hewitt around. You see, well, here's what I fear: I fear all of his time on MSNBC and interviewing all oh, of yeah. these Washington Post reporters has 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 kind of you know forced him to take on some liberal tendencies, such as revisionist history and trying to tell tales the way they he wants them to be, rather than the way they are. So I think Hugh might be uh, impacted a little bit by that.
3: We have to to save him from the MSNBC uh, contamination. (laughs) Amen to that. All right,
2: David, uh, you and I have been exchanging some messages over the last few days about the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, and uh, you sent me a link actually yesterday about what you want to see happen, uh, specifically about uh, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman uh, Chuck Grassley sticking by the schedule. What is your reaction to what we learned last night, David, in which the attorneys for for Christine Blasey Ford say she'll testify, but only under her conditions, only questioned by committee members, not lawyers, uh, that she um, not have to be in the same room with Kavanaugh, and that Kavanaugh has to go first so she can be asked questions after. Uh, Some amazing turn of events.
3: Yeah, well, what uh, it's come down to, I've just uh, seen here with Stuart Varney, is that he says that there is a 10 o'clock this morning deadline by Chuck Grassley saying Either she comes forward on Monday, or the hearing goes forward on Monday. Um, the vote, so the last one, yeah. The, well, no, the uh, actual hearing in which they're going to allow testimony
2: from Judge Kavanaugh. Oh, so with, with or without her, it's say. happening Monday. You're saying exactly so with or without? Right. Okay, gotcha.
3: Right. Gotcha. So she had been pushing for later in the week, and the reason for that is so that uh, the whole process could be stopped this week. To preclude Judge Kavanaugh from taking his seat on October 1st, when the Supreme Court uh, meets for its uh, fall, you know, its uh, 2018-19 session. So that is the aim at this point. Um, I I hope, firmly hope that Grassley will stick by what he has said all along. Is that you're invited to come here on Monday morning we will listen to you and I think uh, it should proceed with her going first because she has brought the charges Mm -hmm. and then allow her to be questioned and then allow uh, judge Kavanaugh to give his side of the story. And that's how it should go. What I am lamenting uh, most of all is how we are allowing for these unsubstantiated, unproven accusations to assault, uh, are, you know, this gentleman's personal freedom and the right of due process. I mean, who who of us would want anyone in, in, in public to say Bob France did this, David Ardondo did this, mm-hmm. without any kind of a proof, witnesses, or any kind of uh, substantiated case? And to consider an incident which occurred 36 years ago, as a juvenile now stop here for a second we have a system of justice that calls for juveniles to be handled in their own court under their own process they're not subject to the same rules and laws that criminals or adults are so you know just on that itself a 17 year old should not have to be subject to Whatever rules or laws that would have been uh, or that are in place for an adult, and the same thing should go as a juvenile. There are considerations that are taken. The same should be in in the case of Judge Kavanaugh. That if he in fact did this, just like you and I, if we did something as a juvenile, should we be called to account for it forty, fifty years later? Yeah, like I, I think that's. Like,
2: yeah. Oh, no, I was just, it, I was just going to back you up money. on that and say yeah. I completely yeah. agree. It's but you, you've, got, you've got something else to say, David. Go ahead and add it. I've only got about yeah. 60 yeah, seconds very left. very
3: quickly. We have to establish a process, and I mean the Senate, to handle future situations. Now, this is the second time this has occurred, this type of incident has occurred to a Republican Supreme Court nominee in 27 years. We have to come up with a process whereby a victim must provide details and witnesses to substantiate claims such as uh, Ford's and Anita Hill's. And before they even do that, they must first litigate these claims and charges according to state law, and then allow it to be introduced at at hearing. What just happened was a hijacking of this process and an assault and uh, a malignment of an innocent judge and he is, a sense having to prove that he is innocent as opposed to being proved guilty. And that is
2: uh, that is one of the reasons why you know it's impossible to do this. It's why they should not be an FBI investigation. We're trying to prove a negative, and that is something that should never be asked. Would never be asked in a court of law, and should not be asked in a committee court of public opinion. Uh, David Arredondo, always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Thank you for weighing in on this very important matter, and we'll catch up again very yeah. soon.
3: Right. Thanks for having me on,
2: Bob. Have you got time. it. Thank you. David Arredondo, joining us. We are very busy today and coming up next after the news, Congressman Jim Renacci for his regular Friday visit. will get his thoughts on the Kavanaugh story, also on the Sherrod Brown story. I'll let that story uh, explain itself when we talk to Congressman Renacci next, right here on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: 935 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to David Ardondo uh, talking about this. Uh, <laughs> this just... I, I don't. I don't even know what to call this. It's not a story. It's not. It's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. It's a, uh, it, I, I It's a movie plot. It's you name it. I just can't seem to find a way to to, to describe this. We're t- going to talk with Congressman Jim Radyce in a few minutes. Uh, hopefully, he'll be dialing in sooner rather than later. and We'll get him on. But I, Doctor Christine Blasey Ford. As of this past Sunday had her lawyers speaking on her behalf, declaring that she wants to testify. She demands the right to testify and and, and bring forth publicly to the Senate committee, the Judiciary Committee, uh, her allegations of Brett Kavanaugh. That was on Sunday. On Monday, they were repeated by the attorneys. By Tuesday, Chuck Grassley was offering exactly that. We will postpone Thursday's confirmation vote so that you can have exactly what you've asked for, uh, a chance to testify. Literally, in the blink of an eye, the attorneys for Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who demanded the right to testify, said, you can't make me testify. You can't make her testify, rather. And after back and forth over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours, now we get last night one of the most bizarre statements I've ever heard: the lawyers representing a witness to a Senate committee hearing, a witness who's supposed to give testimony, is setting the conditions and the ground rules under which she will testify. It is—it is beyond anything I've ever seen before. It's not—it—it's—it's it's not real. It just can't. It's not—it's not plausible, honestly to demand when the testimony is given, where it is given, in whose presence, who asks her questions. How about this? Rather than treating this, maybe the Senate Judiciary Committee could take this advice. Rather than treating this like a, hey, your presence is requested, the honor of your company is requested at this hearing on Monday so you can tell us a little bit about this. How about we change that to, you are served with a subpoena? You must appear before this committee to give voice to your slanderous uh, accusations against Judge Brett Kavanaugh. If you refuse to come forward, we will prosecute and we will pursue criminal charges for defamation of character and slander. Provide evidence to back that up on Monday or face the uh, weight of the law. How about that? I'm told Congressman Renese is available now. My apologies for that. Congressman Jim Renese for his regular Friday visit now on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm trying. Well, I'm two things. I'm, I'm just so incredibly perplexed by what is going on in the United States Senate and the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. But I'm also celebratory. Our Browns won a game last night, Congressman, the first time in 635 days. Did you watch?
5: <laughs> I did watch. I saw the ending. What a great job by the quarterback, the new quarterback. And it looks like there's a new era for the Browns with this quarterback. Now, I will warn everybody that's listening, the Jets have one of the worst – <laughs> defense in an NFL so let's uh, let's make sure we uh, keep just a close eye but the Browns have a good team this year. Let's, uh, let's hope we can
2: get six, seven, eight wins out of them. Well, I, I completely agree. The Jets are terrible. My What, what boosts my optimism, though, Congressman, because you're right about Baker Mayfield, is the same terrible Jets defense was totally shutting down the Browns' offense as led by Tyrod Taylor. The same defense was on the field when Baker Mayfield came in and carved it up. So I'm very enthusiastic about the prospects of Baker Mayfield leading this team to new heights and hopefully a multiple-win season. How about that? we got one. Now we'd like well, to get a second one. I'm sorry.
5: Absolutely, and I was going to say, and he actually did put that ball in uh, very tight spots, right into the receiver's uh, chest area. So that shows he's he's ready to play, no doubt about it.
2: He was terrific, Congressman. A lot of ground to cover here, and I want to get to your race. I want to get to some uh, very serious charges being uh, made against your opponent in the Senate race, Sherrod Brown, of course, who holds that Senate seat. But before we do that. Um, give me your perspective on where things stand. A lot has changed since you and I spoke last about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We went through the circus hearings, uh, you know, interrupted every five seconds by Democratic and liberal uh, protesters and activists. We heard some grandstanding by uh, liberal senators and so on and so forth. But we finally get through all of that. We're about to have a vote on Thursday, and 72 hours before the vote, suddenly here comes Dianne Feinstein waving a letter saying somebody's accusing Brett Kavanaugh of something that has absolutely zero evidence to support it. And now they're making demands on how and when they'll tell, uh, they'll testify specifically about these allegations. I'm very worried about the process by which we will have people confirmed for federal benches uh, and also for, quite frankly, anything that the Senate has to give advice and consent for, including uh, uh, presidential cabinet picks. I'm very worried about what kind of a precedent this sets, Congressman. Well, Bob, let's
5: face it. Uh, it- what I've seen here is, is uh, the Democrats now holding everybody to a standard of conduct. And if we're going to do that, let's make sure we do it across the board. And you've probably heard me say this now because that's how frustrated and that and, and I am with this process. That We've got Democrats holding Judge Kavanaugh to a standard of conduct, unsubstantiated uh, issues, no substantiation, yet. And then you've got people like Congressman Tim Ryan coming out and saying that, you know, he shouldn't be able to serve. And all these things, uh, S- Senator Feinstein saying that we need to look at this and maybe this is an issue which would doubt, give him doubts to, con- to uh, be able to serve, all unsubstantiated. And yet we have an individual in the United States Senate, my opponent, Sherrod Brown, who has actual affidavits that say that he had abuse in his, in his uh, first marriage, Uh, You know, all these affidavits and court documents speak for themselves. So I've become very vocal over this because it's the hypocrisy of this whole issue. If we're going to hold somebody to a standard of conduct, they better turn around and hold their own colleague, Sherrod Brown, to the same standard of of conduct.
2: Yeah, and that's a very interesting point that you make. You know, um, the hypocrisy here is very, very thick. Um, In addition to Sherrod Brown, and uh, I've not heard anyone um, in the Senate uh, or anywhere else with a D after their name, uh, asking Sherrod Brown for an explanation, asking for a clarification, asking for a resignation or anything of the sort, in the same way that Senator Keith Ellison, who is also the uh, what uh, co-chair of the DNC, um, is also facing very serious, credible allegations. You know, you mentioned affidavits and uh, restraining orders in the Brown case. You know, uh, there are medical reports and other things that the um, woman, the former girlfriend of Keith Ellison, has produced. This is this is what a year old or, or less than two years old anyway. Um, and and this these credible. Sourced allegations are being ignored by the left. Meanwhile, this uh, 36-year-old non-credible and non-sourced, with any evidence whatsoever, allegation against Brett Kavanaugh is allowed to dominate the entire public discourse.
5: Well, it's absolutely Bob, And, and here's what's so frustrating. Every, always, there's always an answer excuse. So now that we've been talking about Sharon Brown, people say, well, his wife forgave him. Like, Great. That's a positive for her. But she didn't recant. She didn't recant what he did. And she is the one who signed those affidavits. So clearly she's forgiven, but she hasn't recanted what he did. And on the other side of it, it's just amazing that there's so much documentation because now the new twist is, well, this has been brought up before. Well, if you go back, and I've done it, I take my time to go back, you'll see that there was one little article written about it in 2012 and something written about it in 1995, but nobody wrote about this long term. This wasn't just one instance. This was an issue of, you know, not paying child support. There are so many documents now that I've pulled that I wasn't even aware of, of Sherrod Brown. And people need to look at all of those. And then at the same time, if we're going to have this standard of conduct, which, again, continues to be the issue here, let's make sure we hold uh, Sherrod Brown to the same standard of conduct that we're trying to hold Judge Kavanaugh to.
2: Um. Congressman Renacci, the uh, Brown campaign is accusing you and your campaign of um, of uh, promoting this, of releasing, uh, you know, creating that ad. Uh, it, it should be pointed out that that ad was not created by the Renacci campaign. It was created by a PAC. Uh, but I just want to give you a chance to respond to this. They are accusing you of being behind this allegation, uh, and they are trying to essentially uh, shame you for bringing it up.
5: Well, Bob, look, uh, I did not know about this. I knew something about this allegation, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know the depth of it until it came out. I've now pulled all the, I had my attorney, one of my attorneys pull all the court documents. So I do know a lot about it now that I did know before this came out, but I had no connection with this Me Too organization. We didn't even know, don't even know who the woman is who was in charge of it. And the only connection is, from what I understand is, A lot of Republicans, including myself and DeWine campaign and a whole bunch of Republican campaigns, use the same company, Majority Strategies, to do some of their printing. Um, I don't select them. My campaign does. But it's a printing company. And I guess they're also the ones who did some of the work for this Me Too thing. So uh, that's the only connection. But uh, again, I know that the, the Brown campaign would want to say that. God bless them. Uh, in the end, what they should be doing is just answering questions. And, by the way, instead of spending $7 million attacking me with ads that are false and misleading, why don't they spend $7 million worth of ads telling people what he's been able to accomplish over 25 years? The problem is they'd save a lot of money because they wouldn't have the money to spend.
2: <laughs> I was going to say they don't have $7, $7 million worth of, worth of info there. I, I don't believe. Congressman, do you believe, uh, going back to this um, uh... situation you know it's a different time today in the in the age of hashtag me too do you believe that congressman Bro or excuse me senator brown should should resign and if you do will you ask him to do that or will you challenge him about that when you meet him on october fourteenth um, at uh, the idea center at playoff square
5: well i've already come out publicly and said, based on what i know now and by the way we've had calls from other people now saying that uh... You know, they, they either worked with Sherrod Brown in the past. They knew Sherrod Brown. So there are other instances starting to come forward. This man just didn't do this once. There are multiple times. And, and I do understand the Me Too uh, issue now because many people are fearful of coming out and saying anything of the retaliation will come back on them from Senator Brown. So um, I understand that. But in the end, look. What I've seen in his background uh, just in this last week after I pulled all the files, everybody should see, and then Ohioans should make their own decision, but my decision is pretty simple. Nobody that has this background and, and all the things he did that are under affidavit should serve in the United States Senate or anywhere. And by the way, I also brought that out weeks ago uh, when it came to Urban Meyer. I said anybody in the public, anybody in public, a public position of authority, that has this kind of background uh, of, uh, you know, whether it's domestic abuse or, you know, sexual uh, uh, abuse, abuse, all these things should not be able to serve in a public position.
2: Congressman, uh, I want to ask you one other question before you go, if you could. Um, issue one in the state of Ohio is a huge one. And I know this is a, a state issue and it's going to be a state uh, a constitutional amendment, and, and you're working in Washington, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know you have come out as an opponent of Issue One, which would essentially uh, reduce the, um, uh, the the punishment, the potential punitive actions against some very serious drug dealers and traffickers down to the probationary level, uh, requiring no jail time whatsoever. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that this is going to lead to an increase in crime in the state of Ohio. I am among them. It is going to incentivize uh, people in, in, who traffic in states all around Ohio and the Midwest to say, you know what, the best place to, to risk you know, running this is in Ohio. They're, all they're going to do is give you probation. They're not going to lock you up. And we're talking about something as serious as you know, 19 grams, because they have set the threshold for the possession of fentanyl, uh, which is deadly, uh, they've set the, 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 uh, the threshold at 20. So if you have 19 grams or fewer, you, uh, you only get probation if you are caught. 19 grams of fentanyl, Congressman, can kill around 10,000 people. Um, so I know you have come out against Issue 1. I have not heard anything from Sherrod Brown about this. What can you tell us?
5: Well, I've come out against it just because of many of the reasons you said, which is the 19 grams and the 10,000 people. But here's the other reason I've come out against it. I have an opioid panel group made up of people who uh, you know, addicted, have been addicted to, to these drugs and then recovered, but also the parents who have lost their children. And the story I hear more than anything is the biggest issue is the children or the, the youth go to these uh, uh, centers, because we also have centers on the panel, and they only, they're only there for up to six months. And on the sixth month and first day, one of the first people that, persons or people that call that individual is the drug dealer again. We need to make sure these drug dealers aren't out. I mean, one of the reasons why these individuals get back into drugs is that drug dealers become their friends. And as soon as they get out of, you know, the the institution that's helping them for six months, one of the first people that calls them is that drug dealer. I've said all along, these people should be locked up. They shouldn't be on the street. And in the end, if they they commit a, a situation where somebody dies, they should be charged with some level of manslaughter. So I am all in for making sure these individuals never see the light of day uh, when they're pushing drugs on our children and grandchildren.
2: I'm glad you're beating that drum, and I know you have been working very, very hard on the opioid crisis in the state of Ohio and and, and to the extent across the country, so uh, and I really hope that, you know, we get a great turnout of Republican voters and and, you know, just uh, reasonable voters who are going to come out and vote for you against Sherrod Brown and while they're there to make sure in the state of Ohio they vote against issue one. These things all tie in hand in hand, and so these messages I think uh, uh, certainly need to be uh, put forth that way. Congressman, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate all the work that you're doing. Uh, We'll catch up with you again next week
5: thank you bob you have a great week
2: thank you so much congressman jim ornacy on am 1420 the answer we'll get a time out now check your traffic come back in and get some of your phone calls we are also going to talk uh ohio politics today with secretary of state john Husted, who of course is the running mate of mike dewine Mike DeWine and Richard Cordray squared off in their gubernatorial debate uh, earlier this week. Uh, Mr. Houston and I will discuss that after the top of the hour at about ten ten. But we can get you on the uh, radio right now before 10 o'clock on AM
1: 1420 The Answer. No, we
2: didn't. Did not build this city on that song, that's for sure. 955, short segment here before the top of the hour. I want to go to the phones 216-9010945, 281 Either one will get you your Twitter, use it. Follow me at Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right. It's toxic, but let's share ideas together on how to combat the left using that platform for nefarious purposes. Radio Done Right on Twitter, Facebook, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Uh and uh engage there as well. We'll read good uh tweets and Facebook comments on the air. I'm gonna go to Charlie who's calling us in uh from Lakewood on AM fourteen twenty the answer. He goes online by uh the politically incorrect mechanic. Hey Charlie, what's going on?
6: <laughs> good morning, Bob. How are you?
2: I'm good. What's on your mind, my man?
6: Good. Hey, real quick before I get to what I called you about, I wanna just say I was also at Lander Haven. I can also corroborate what Peter said this morning. Everyone yes! And Hewitt, Hewitt,
2: Hewitt, light and blew it. <laughs> I it. I love it. I You've got to call him, Charlie. I want everybody who was at Landerhaven that day who heard uh, Hugh uh, laughing at me on the stage mocking me for saying the Browns should take Baker Mayfield number one overall. As he talked about the you know wonderful merits of Sam Darnold, the USC quarterback who's got all this and all that. and uh, He mocked me rel- relentlessly on that stage. And I want everybody who was there to call him on his program, on the national stage, and remind everybody who actually kind of saw the Baker Mayfield, uh, Baker Baker touchdown maker moniker coming a long time before he ever did. I'll do that do that call him tell him call him out tell him cursing out said it you said it i want to have, i i don't i don't want to hear him mention this again <laughs> i mean this is all in good fun obviously and i'm having a blast with it but i just want as many people to uh, to uh, verify and bring truth to light as possible okay now you're uh, you wanted to call so, to talk about hurricane florence and something going on locally to help people there tell me what you got
6: right okay so for about the last week week and a half now uh, mario's barbershop in parma 7526 Broadview Road, uh, and myself, uh, my family's automotive garage in Lakewood at 13728 Madison Avenue. We've been taking any type of donations for non-perishable food, water, diapers, paper towels, cleaning supplies, toiletries, anything, any type of household item or non-perishable food item that you use on on a daily basis to make your life run in your household, we're trying to put together for these people who have lost pretty much everything down in North Carolina where all this flooding was. I have a couple friends down there. I understand the weather. People downgraded it and everything as it was making landfall. There's people who have houses with water up to their roof line. Okay? Yeah. Their stuff is gone. They have nothing to come back to. So... A lot of people that are in the uh, shelters just you know uh, they they need our help uh Mario when the hurricane hit Texas, they went down there. I think he said they had something like two or three box trucks twenty four foot box trucks packed full they rented a couple Penn Street trucks they drove down there um We're trying to do the same thing here. Obviously, this wasn't as bad as Houston, but it's still bad.
2: It is, yeah, and for the people who are in it, it is as bad for them as anybody in Houston had it 's just there were more in Houston, more people who right. suffered. It was a wider spread area, but for the people who are suffering down down there right now uh, you 're exactly right you know for them it 's as bad as anything could ever possibly be, be, and they need help. So I love the fact that there are people in different communities around this country that are rallying people and collecting supplies and donations and sending these trucks down there it 's a great thing to know that it 's happening locally, so one more time, where can people drop off non perishable food items uh, water? People. Diapers, paper towels, cleaning supplies, toiletries—all these things. Where can they drop Anything. them off, Charlie?
6: So we got two locations. Number one is Mario's Barber Shop, seventy-five twenty-six Rodview Road in Parma. Okay. Uh, my my family's garage in Lakewood uh, is Charlie's Auto Repair and Kalani Auto Service, and that's one thirty-seven twenty-eight Madison Avenue in Lakewood. We're trying to get as much stuff as we can so that we're able to fill a truck and get it down there. Um, we're also taking, you know, you guys, if somebody wants to donate, make a monetary donation, uh, gas cards, Mario's stress gas cards uh, to help, you know, with the trip down there. Also today, the mayor of Parma, Mayor Tim DeJeter, is going to be at Mario's Barbershop also to help out and raise awareness for this. Uh, but at the same time, we'll be signing a proclamation to make today Baker Mayfield Day in the city of Parma.
2: Oh, I like that,
6: too. And he's going to be be doing it from Mario's location around 12 o'clock. Baker Um, Mayfield
2: Day, one day after the Browns snapped a 635-day winless streak. Uh, yeah, that's sure. what we call it, a winless streak. That's, I love that, too. Uh, I got to run here, Charlie. Great stuff, though. So Mario's Barbershop in Parma and uh, Charlie's Auto Repair on Madison Avenue in Lakewood. If you've got something to drop off, including, as he said, gas cards, if you can uh, put some money into that, they need all of those things down there to help the victims of Hurricane Florence. Charlie, thank you. Keep up the great work that you and everyone else over there uh, are doing. Uh, we'll get out now for news. And on the other side of that, John Husted, Secretary of State and running mate to Mike DeWine for um, uh, technically. He's running then for lieutenant governor. Uh, Joins us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer.